Thank you. Thank you. Am I, am I on, Pastor? Okay. Be seated. Thank you so much for that wonderful welcoming. I, I walked in this building tonight, and uh, I realized I was way over my head. <laughs> See, I, I'm used to going to, I won't say dead churches, but they're almost dead. And I, and I spend a lot of time doing CPR. And sometimes I'm 10 years late doing it. Religion mortgage has set in. Now, I, I speak with delayed t- humor, so some things you'll laugh at tomorrow or next week when it finally dawns on you. But uh, I've, I've been working. I've just, this church is amazing. I just, I've been revived. Uh, uh, Pastor, what would it take to join this church? Where do I go? To? Okay. Uh, I, I want to join. Yes, sir. Uh, you're the joining person? Yes, sir. Okay. Because every time I find a good church, I join it. Because uh, when I get to heaven, all my bases are going to be covered. I could just say, look, all these live churches that I've been a part of. Uh, but truly, you are alive. Uh, and I thank God for you. Thank God for your pastor. Pray for him. Pray for his wife. Pray for his family. Because the most important thing you can do is pray for him. He, uh, You think, well, he's supposed to pray for me. Well, yeah, he does. But who prays for him? Uh, An enemy knows if you can take him out, you can mess up this church. So uh, one of my campaigns, is I wrote a book actually called Prayed On, P-R-E-Y-E-D, or Prayed For, P-R-A-Y-E-D. And pastors that aren't prayed for are prayed on. Because the enemy circling this church, wondering how he can get to him. And uh, thank God he's got a, a godly wife because she'd kill it. She'd, uh, she, she'd probably kill him if he messed up. Uh, I've, been, I've been looking forward to this night. I've, I've worked on this sermon here for a three weeks and just agonizing and wondering what to say, but I I just feel like I need to put it aside and just talk to you. Uh, By the way, there's some resource uh, books in uh, Fellowship Hall, Uh, some of the books that we wrote, especially these. These are really good. Uh, These are prayers for your husband. We sell a lot of these. Husbands need it. And here's prayers for your wife. And I tell you what, how many husbands are here? If you just tell your wife, honey, sit down for a minute, and you read some of these prayers to her, 
That's all she's ever wanted from you was for you to pray for her. And, the, and they're, little, they're short prayers, so you can do it. I call them Methodist prayers because they're, li they're little. And, and if, if you'll do this, husbands, she'll let you be gone longer. She'll let you spend more money. <laughs> and she'll make you better coffee. <laughs> Yeah, you two start off with them. Because uh, it's just, it's an honoring thing when you honor your wife and you honor your husband and you honor your pastor. You see, the, the landing strip of the Holy Spirit is honor. And, and when churches g gossip and, you know, go to the phone instead of the throne, you do. It, the Holy Spirit just circles that church because there's no lending strip. There's no place to land because the people are, are back by talking bad about each other, blaming the pastor for something. And that's why it's important to keep that landing strip clear because the Holy Spirit landed tonight. And uh, he really did. Uh, so I'm deeply humbled. I'm just deeply humbled to be here tonight. I don't know how to say it. Uh, God has given me rare opportunities to go around the world. I've been two, two million miles on airplanes, uh, and that's a lot. <laughs> I've been in almost every country and all kinds of churches, but this would be one of the top ten. It would be one of the top ten. Because I just think y'all are going after God. And uh, so I feel kind of embarrassed, actually, uh, being here. I feel like a like a broom that went to a vacuum cleaner convention. <laughs> I just I was just out of, out of place, you know. But thank God for your wonderful grace that you will. Uh, Allow me to be here. Uh, I'm just astounded to stand in the pulpit of this man. Uh, I just, uh, I've just written a book uh, th that I was going to talk about tonight, and I may mention it, called uh, Praying in Jesus' Name for 21 Centuries. And I've been doing seminars for 45 years, 40 years, uh, and what I found in churches as I move around the country is that the name of Jesus is slipping out. That the name of Jesus is being pushed aside. And people are getting their names in prominence. Uh, I went to a church, a good friend of mine, and I went there and suddenly they, they started calling him Bishop. And <laughs> so I pulled him aside and I said, What's this bishop stuff? <laughs> you know, uh, the more we serve our Lord, the, the more humble we should become. We shouldn't look for titles, and awards, and accolades. Uh, because let me tell you what, the lower you go, the higher God can get. And, and the more we can get out of the way, he can get in the way. 
And so uh, that's a very important part of uh, serving him and knowing him. But we, we're people, and we get flattered sometimes when you give a good sermon or do something good. And you just have to keep that from affecting you. But uh, there was one passage I wrote out of this book, uh, 337 pages, 21 centuries of people who prayed in Jesus' name. And what happened when they prayed in Jesus' name uh, were men who had nothing would take whole continents for Christ. Uh, were people who had no buildings. Uh, no one could read or write. They had no Bible to hand out for 1,400 years. They had no backup plan. They had no money. All they had was the name of Jesus. And, then when, and when you sing that song, there's just something about that name. There is just something about that name. There's just something about that name. And so uh, this passage just kind of jumped out at me, and, and uh, I wanted to share it with you. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Uh, Brethren, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise according to human standards. Not many were influential. And not many were of noble birth. But listen, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world. And listen to this, the despised things. The things that are not to bring to naught the things that are. So that no one may boast but in him. It is because of him that Jesus Christ, and this is the RSV translation, is because of him that Jesus Christ has become your source. Everybody say source. source. You know, sources are important. Yes, sir. You get hungry, you got to have a store somewhere. Yes, sir. You're about to run out of gas, you got to have a store somewhere. You got to buy some gas. You're about to run out of electricity and you have an electric car, you better look for a plug somewhere. Uh, sources are very important in life. And for us, our primary source is Jesus. That he became our source of righteousness, holiness, redemption. Therefore, it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Uh, and, and this is what I sense tonight. This church was boasting in the Lord because he is your source. And occasionally you just need to pull that down, pull that out, put a spotlight on it and say, Jesus is our source. Yes, right. How much better can we go to him? How much longer can we go to him? How much can we just receive from him because he's our source? We, we think people are our sources. People, God can use people. God can give things to you through people. But ultimately, God is, Jesus is your source. I'm telling you, he's your source. Uh, unearned, und undeserved, by grace, he is your source. And so I, I just felt like tonight God's calling some of you. He's been calling some of you. And you, you put the call off. 
Some people in here are saying, you know, I, I'm just too old. I'm, I'm about worn out. How could God use somebody like me? Well, let me tell you what. When Jesus becomes your source, age has nothing to do with it no more. You may have a lot of miles on you, but you ain't finished yet. And uh, when, I, when I wrote this book, you won't believe all the older people and older women that God used to win whole nations for Christ. Uh, so don't say tonight, I'm too old. Uh, that has nothing to do with it at all. And if he's calling you, you answer that call. Not according to the calendar, not according to your birthday, but you answer that call because Jesus has called you and you just go to your source and you make that your parking place. Because it says in, in Hebrews, listen, that he rewards those who believe he exists and those who diligently, and amplified version, earnestly seek him. You see, that's the key of unlocking the source. Some people will say, well, I, I can't understand why God's not my source. Well, when you spend 17 hours a week on an iPad, when you spend at least that much time on your cell phone, not, not counting what you do watching television, how, what do you expect? You, you know what you're doing? You're running up to the doorbell and ringing it, God's doorbell, and then you run. You ever, ever do that when you were kids, run up to somebody's doorbell and ring it and run? Well, that's what we do with God. God's got a doorbell, and we ring it, but we don't wait long enough for him to come to the door. We don't wait long enough for him to descend upon us and, and baptize us and give to us and, and grant us a revelation of Jesus, uh, not just to know Jesus, but a deeper understanding of of, of Jesus and that, that revelation of him. So don't say I'm, I'm old. Just say I, I got a few miles, but I believe it's not over with yet. Now, some of you in here are saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm too young. I'm just a teenager. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't have all that kind of gifts and things like that. Listen, some of the people that God used the greatest were young people, uneducated young people. A lot of young people say, well, I don't have the education my pastor's got. I don't have a cemetery degree. That, that's some of that delayed humor. going to get it later. But when Jesus is your source... Whether you have education or not, it doesn't matter because he's your source. He'll make a way when there is no way. He'll, he'll open doors that you never thought would open. He'll, he'll the favor of Jesus' name, uh, you'll meet people you never thought you could meet because of him. So don't say I'm too young. There was a young man in uh, 1904 named Evan Roberts. He was 23 years old. 
And his job was to lead the donkeys out of the mines as they bring the coal out of the mines. And that was his job. But he felt called to preach. And so he told his father, he said, Dad, I want to preach. He said, well, get a little education. So he tried, but he couldn't get any education. So he finally went back to his church, 23 years old, and said to the pastor, I want to speak to the youth group. Now, there was a girl in the youth group, uh, Flossie Evans, and uh, she uh, was a spark of revival in what we call the Welsh Revival. And uh, it, it was a seven, just about 15 teenagers were together with the pastor. And the pastors asked for their testimonies. And she said, I, I love Jesus with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind. And the depth of her sincerity, the fervor of her passion, the reality of what she did, she sparked a revival. 16-year-old girl. And the youth group began to go around the churches. And, and you, know, you know how COVID spread? spread? Yes, well, this revival spread like a good COVID. We, we need a revival that spreads like COVID. We, we call it good contagion. I mean, if that bug can cause everybody in the world to put on a mask, can you imagine what Jesus could do to... To, to get everybody to take their mask off. Come on, Jesus. But this young man uh, heard about what she was doing, so he connected with a friend of his, and they got together and said, I wonder if we prayed and we could get 100,000 souls in one year. Well, he just he made prayer a lifestyle. He didn't have an iPad. He didn't have a smart TV or even a dumb TV. <laughs> Actually, smart TVs are mostly dumb TVs. Uh, you know, I, I call televisions electric commodes. Because when you watch it, it flushes into your home. It flushes into your lives. And you get saturated with filth not even realizing it because they call it entertainment, but it ain't entertainment. It's poison. And they're poisoning you. Now, I, I know that kind of crude me saying that, but you, you'll probably not forget it next time you turn your TV on. <laughs> well, he... This uh, young man had, had two prayers. That's all he had. One of them was, Lord, Holy Spirit, send Jesus. And the other prayer was, Jesus, have mercy. Now, he'd come to a church like this, and what he would say is, okay, we're going to pray now. And he'd give the people those two prayers. And they'd pray till 4 o'clock in the morning. And the Holy Spirit brought Jesus. And Jesus had mercy. He got his 100,000 souls. Plus, he got a whole revival for the island. Police were unemployed. They had nothing to do. Police formed choirs and traveled around singing because there was no crime. So, but uh, that, that Welsh revival, 
People came from Pennsylvania. They came from all over the world and caught it. Caught it. You know, there's some things you can teach, but there's some things you can catch. You know, I find that prayer can be taught, but it's better caught. And when you get around a man of God or a woman of God, just say, pray for me. Pray for me. That's part of that going lower so God can get higher. When you say, pray for me, that's like saying, help me get out of the way so God can get in the way. And so you just just fall on your knees right in front of them. Say, put your hand on me and pray for me. Because I, I, I want to go deeper in Jesus. And uh, the more people that will pray for you, the deeper you can go. That, that man, Evan Roberts, started one of the greatest revivals the world has ever seen. Uh, one man wrote a book, uh, McGee wrote a book, and, and listed every nation that that revival affected. And he, and he was just 23 years old. Some of you are not that much older or younger. So you're prime candidates. 80% of St. Petersburg is lost. Lost. It's goose in a snowstorm. So don't say I'm, I'm, I'm too young. Now, some of you are saying, well, I'm, I'm illiterate. I really, I'm, I didn't want to have education, but I just, uh, I, I just don't have the smarts. Listen, when Jesus is your, your source, you found your smarts. Years ago, I, I tried to go to college. I was a young man carrying mail in Houston. And I said, well, I'm going to go to college. People get a degree. So I took a course in South Texas Junior College, took an English course, and I had to write five essays. I made an F on every essay. I didn't know what F meant. I found out that it's not good. When you get an F. And then one day the teacher called me up to the desk and she said, young man, come up here. And, and she says, uh, I just have to tell you something. Is there anything you can do to make a living without an education? <laughs> Wasn't that a fine compliment? <laughs> well, I didn't know any better. I said, well, I'm, I'm a mailman. I can carry mail. I can put letters in mailboxes. She said, you just keep doing that. <laughs> because she said this, you're uneducatable. Wow. 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 And, um, but I tell you what, I found my source. <laughs> I was a... Uh, through a, a crisis, I found Christ, and so I, I thought I'd get to know him. So I went in the backyard and sat on the doghouse and, and looked up and, and started trying to pray and get to know him. And, and one night sitting on the doghouse, I'll never forget it, um, he says, I want you to be a preacher. I said, well, I haven't been to church yet. I don't know anything. So I went in the bedroom and I woke up my wife. I said, God just called me to be a preacher. 
was 20 years old. And she said, you'll get over it, come to bed. <laughs> well, I'm 78 and I ain't got over it yet. <laughs> but then there came the news. I had to go to college and get a four-year degree. Then I had to go to cemetery and get another four-year degree. So you, you have to go to college eight years to, to get ordained in, the, in what my denomination was. So let me tell you what I did. I'd go in class and I'd sit there and I'd say, Lord, I've been told I'm uneducable, so you've got to come through. And I'd bow my head. It's an algebra test, biology test, whatever it was. And I said, Lord, you've got to help me here. If you don't help me here, I ain't going to make it. You see, the, the problem with us as Christians, the longer we become Christians, the more independent and experienced we become so we don't need him as much and we don't cling to him as much because I know some stuff. Let me just stop for a minute. I'm going to say something I shouldn't. Okay, it's over with. Uh, and... Uh, my first, uh, first four years of college, I graduated summa cum laude. And uh, I, did, I didn't even know what that was. I went up and got my degree, and they put this gold thing around my head. I sat down to this girl next to me. She says, how did you do that? I said, what did I do? You got that summa cum laude. I thought, well, that must be something. Uh, well, then what happened is the next cemetery, same thing. And then I got my doctorate, same thing. But the further I went, the longer I prayed, knowing that he's my source. And when you, have, when you can barely talk English and you have to learn Greek, you're in trouble. But you know what it was? I memorized the Bible. So on the Greek test, he'd put a passage for us to translate. And I would look, and I said, oh, I know that word. I know that word. Oh, that's, that's John 14, 1 through 8. And I'd write it out. <laughs> Perfect translation. <laughs> oh, and, and, of course, it was the revised version of the Bible that I memorized, that version then. And uh, he called me up to his desk one time. He said, young man, uh, you're fantastic at writing, understanding Greek. Well, I didn't tell him I had it memorized. Uh, and so, and by the way, it's very important that you memorize the Bible. Because the battleground is your mind. And if you don't get the word in your mind, the devil's going to get it. Uh, I, make a, I make a practice, I wear a headset, and I listen to the Psalms every week, one time. And then I'll, I'll stop it on a good verse. The other verse today was Psalms 40, uh, verse 1. And he, I, I waited on the Lord, and he delivered me from the slimy pit, from the muck and the mire. He set my feet on a rock. He put a song in my mouth. 
and I sang his praises. Well, I, I highlighted that, uh, emailed it to myself, printed it off, and I must have a thousand scriptures that I go through. Uh, just at red lights in Houston, you can memorize a lot about it. <laughs> you almost run out of gas. <laughs> Because uh, everybody's on the road at the same time. I don't know why they do that. But don't say I'm uneducated. Don't say I don't know where I'm going to get educated at. That's not your problem. You go to your source. Your, your source is the problem solver. Your source is the door opener. Your source is the one that's going to help you when you need that help, so you go to your source. People are not our source. If you go to people as a source, you're going to end up being disappointed, very sad, because people are going to let you down. They're going to turn on you. They're going to say something bad, then you'll be all folded up. But you need to go to Jesus as your source, not to people. And let me just say something else. Uh, I've written 18 books now. And I was uneducatable. And if I could find that teacher, I would mail her a set of my books. I say, dear teacher, be careful what you tell people. You could be wrong sometimes. Because some donkeys can learn. But uh, as a young person, don't write yourself off. I'm talking to you tonight. I'm not preaching now. I'm talking to you. Because God's calling some of y'all. He's calling you. I mean, I, as much as I'm standing here, he's calling you. And you don't put off for some reason. Some of you say, well, I, you know, I ain't got a very good past. I got some problems in my past. I've done some things that I'm not proud of. And so my reputation is not the best. How could God call someone like me? Well, let me tell you something. There's no, look, he called those who are despised. He called those who are not to bring to naught the things that are. You're a candidate if you're despised. A candidate for calling. So fill out the application. Submit the application. I'll heed the call. I'll answer the call. There was a young man named Patrick. And uh, when he was 16 years old, some pirates captured him and took him to Ireland and made him a slave. And so for uh, about 12 years, he was a slave taking care of sheep. And then one night in a vision, an angel told him where to go there was a boat waiting to get on the boat and go back to where he came from. But when he went back where he came from, God said, I want you to go back to that nation now that you know you're at their language, and I want you to bring them to Christ. Oh. I forgot the year, the year, but he landed back in Ireland. Now, listen to this. He landed in Ireland to win the nation for Christ, and his pictures on every post office wall in, in Ireland kind of say, you know, he was a runaway slave. 
And if they caught him, you know where he would go and what would happen. But he, he, he had a source. Don't let people's opinions be your source. They're all kind of opinions. Like you just a runaway slave. What do you think you're doing? But he went to his source who made him righteous, who made him holy, who, who made him all the things your preacher told you about tonight. And uh, he... He won 67,000 square miles for Christ. He baptized in a short period over 120 children. He built 300 churches, 17 monasteries, and Christianity is in the country of Ireland because of a runaway slave. So don't, don't, don't write yourself off. He calls you. Fill out the application. It's easy to fill out. Just say yes. There's not many questions on it. There's not many lines to it. Just take the paper and say yes. And you filled out the your farm. You're ready now because you got Jesus as your source. Everybody say Jesus is my source. It was a 1860 great revival in uh, Africa. There was a man named Andrew Murray, and he was praying this prayer: "Give me Africa for Christ." You know, sometimes you need to pay, pray big prayers to compliment your God. Because if you can see God's biceps, you'd pray a lot bigger. You know, I'm a little older, so I've been going to the gym now, working out, trying to get in shape. Someday I'm going to put some weight on the bar. But there's, there's, there's one guy in the gym. I mean, he got a big arm. So the day I walked up to him, I said, sir, do you mind me asking how big your arm is? Oh, I like that. Ask, you asked me how big my arm is. And he flexed it. It was like 27 inches measured. Well, I went home. Measured my leg, and it was 17 inches. He's got bigger arms hanging off his shoulders than I got legs that I'm walking on. <laughs> but if you saw God's biceps, you would pray a big prayer. What's a big prayer? Lord, give me this high school for Christ. Give me this, just give me this city block for Christ. Walk around it, claim it for Christ. And your source is hearing you. And your source will help you. And, and so in this 1860 revival, he was saying, give me Africa for Christ. So one Wednesday night, like tonight, they were having a prayer meeting. And uh, all the laborers had, excuse the term, black laborers had to work in the back, live in, stay in the back of the church, and they couldn't talk. They weren't allowed to talk. Horrible. And, uh, and a little 12-year-old girl stood up, and she said, can I pray? 
Well, the deacon running the service, he's a white man. He wasn't supposed to let them talk. But against his better judgment, he said, yes, little girl, you can pray. And she started praying. And a wind started blowing. And the longer she prayed, the bigger the wind got. Suddenly, the wind knocked everybody down. They were all on the floor. It was a, a divine calamity. Uh, and they were all repenting and crying. And, and the deacon, he didn't know what to do. He, he said, y'all turn to him, 78, let's sing it. And they were just crying, carrying on, repenting. So he went next door and got the pastor, Andrew. He said, come over here. And there's, there's a godly commotion going on in the church. <laughs> and so Andrew came in, and he tried the same thing. He tried to settle them down. By then, the deacon was on his face crying and repeating. And finally, Andrew just stood back and said, Revival has come to South Africa. So I'm looking for that little girl. I'm looking for that little girl. Because sometimes the favor gets on somebody so big, so much, they stand up. Everything happens for God. I'm looking for that 12-year-old girl who didn't have a right to talk. But because of her, Africa, that part of Africa came for Christ. Don't you understand? God's got a sense of humor. When he, when he's got a sense of humor. He wants to use you because he just likes stuff like that. He, she, he says, that, honey, stand up and pray. I'm fixing to do something. And she put aside her opinions and emotions. She put aside what she's been told, had been put down, had been devalued. She put all that crap aside. And she stood up and she started praying and the wind started blowing. And it blew across that nation. And there was a revival in Africa. Hallelujah. No telling how many people God had asked to stand up and pray, but but felt shy or shamed or felt some pitifulness of some sort, and yet God used that little girl. So I'm looking for her, and I'm gonna say, "Honey, pray," because I want wind to blow in St. Peter. We got a lot of preachers got a lot of hot air, but we need a wind of the Holy Ghost to blow through here. Woo! Woo! Well, what I'm saying tonight is don't discount yourself. There's a form to fill out. God's calling you. God's calling you, some of you to preach. All you have to do is say yes on the farm. Take the first step, and then he'll do the rest. I don't know what God's calling. God may be calling you to reach, reach the gangs of St. Petersburg. God may be calling you to uh, minister to the homeless. I, I don't, God may be calling you to go to Nigeria with Dan and ride the boat. Ooh, God forbid. <laughs>
But these people, uh, by the way, the number one reason why the early church grew, by the year 400 A.D., it, it grew to 30 million people. And the main reason it grew, Pastor, was not because of preaching and teaching. It was exorcism. The Christians would cast out demons. And the pagans would see the change in the pagan and come to Christ because it was show and tell. All we're doing now is telling, 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 telling. We got to quit telling and start showing. Start showing. Christianity is show and tell. You show them something, then you can tell them. Had a, a woman come to our church. She, she's a chiropractor in town. She's a, she was at that time an atheist. She just came because she heard that we were a commotion. And so she came. And uh, we, had, we had a time in the service where we turned to each other and I'd say, pray for the person next to you. So Shirley turned to Marcy and she said, can I pray for you? And Marcy said, no, I'm atheist. I don't believe in prayer. Well, Shirley says, I believe in prayer so I can pray. You have anything I could pray about? Marcy said, Well, my dog ran away. I love my dog. I'm single. All I got is the dog. And I want my dog back. My hands on the Bible. I'm telling you the truth. She drives a Porsche. For some reason, she left the driver's door window down. Nine o'clock service. We have two services accommodate the crowds. She went out to her Porsche, looked in her Porsche, and there sat her dog in the passenger seat. She come walking across that parking lot holding that dog, crying. I thought, oh, God, somebody run over a dog. We're going to get sued now. Oh, God. And she's crying. There is a God. There is a God. My dog came back. Think about this. All the churches in town, all the times of services there were in all those churches, and that dog found the right church, the right service, and 300 cars parked in that parking lot, and that dog found that car, got in it, and she took the dog home from church. I mean, it's, it's a miracle. It's a good preaching. Yes, sir. Some of y'all looking at me like white people. Yeah. <laughs> you, you ain't seen nothing do you preach in a white church. Matter of fact, I, I wanted to illustrate it one time about I was going to preach on religion morgus because when you don't praise God or, or you know, so I went to J.C. Penney's and borrowed some mannequins. <laughs> and unfortunately, they were naked. But they were in the back of my truck, and it's a college town, so nobody thought anything about it. So I had to take these mannequins to my office. Have you ever dressed a mannequin? Well, I was in my office dressing these 
women and men, and my secretary walked in. It took me two days to get her back. <laughs> so I put two of them up here, and I put two of them over there, and put one over there, and three over there, just to illustrate what happens to you when you don't respond to God, when, when you don't sing, when you don't even look, you're just sitting there like a... But my illustration backfired because nobody noticed they were there. Tell one, tell one man, James, uh, James, James walked up to this mannequin to shake his hand and the arm come off. You imagine walking up to church to shake somebody's hand and their arm flops off. Jesus is your source. You're not worried about getting embarrassed. You're not worried about failing. You're not worried about people talking about you. Yeah, he brought men against the church. He's a crazy preacher. You just hear what your source says. Go with your source. Go often to your source. It says, believe he exists and he rewards those who diligently and earnestly seek him. Seek him. And that's more than just going to church on Sunday morning. So, uh, how long do I have, preacher? You need to. I don't have a watch, so it doesn't matter. But, now this is kind of a silly illustration, but I'm going to do it anyway. How many of you know the story of, of David killing Goliath? David had a sling. And uh, he actually had five stones in his pocket because Goliath had four brothers. See, when God's your source, it don't matter how many brothers Goliath has. Just go get the first one, and I'll get the second one, and I'll get the third one. But then I realized something. David was in God's sling. And David was flung toward the giant. And when you're flung, you have no say-so. You can't quit. You can't pray with your foot on the brake. When you're flung, you're in midair. You're on target to where God has flung you, and he will fling you. So tonight, I'm going to give you a slingshot just to remind you, because it's engraved on here. I had them engraved, flung for Jesus. You think of a white man coming up with an idea like that? <laughs> Flung for Jesus. Because the, the box is here and want everyone to take one. Because I want you to remember, I want to be flung for Jesus. 
Where there's sickness in St. Petersburg, fling me there. Where there's darkness in St. Petersburg, fling me there. Where there's pain in St. Petersburg, fling me there. I ain't got any rights to myself. You got all the rights. You call the shots. You'll provide the resources. You'll open the doors. You'll make a way. Yes. It's a good example sitting right here. Somebody cares. He came to, he came to town with nothing. But, but, but kids. Wow, you had seven kids when you came to t- six and had nothing to start this somebody cares ministry. And it's, it's amazed what it's done in Tampa because God's his source. He talks to the source. He sits in his lap. He lays down behind his source is everything. And when your source is everything, you got everything. And remember this. A nobody in the hands of a great somebody can affect everybody. So I didn't, I didn't get to preach this sermon tonight on Maybe next time I come here, I'll preach it. It's, it's pretty good, too. I liked it very much. Ooh, that was a good point. Ooh, wow. Man. There's something about Jesus. There's something about his name. You say, well, I, if he's my source, how do I access the source? Jesus. That's how you access the source. Say Jesus. Jesus. And he comes on the scene. And you hold on to him. If you have a problem, you hold him against the problem. And you make him your your application. Uh, There was a girl, another reason I wrote the book, there was a girl in the church who joined the church. Her name was Amy. And every time I said Jesus, she cried. I said, Amy, after church, why do you cry when I say Jesus? And she started crying. <laughs> she said, one night I, I was living on the streets in Dallas, Texas. I was sitting in a sleazy hotel. I told Satan, if you'll give me a vein, I'll give you my soul. A vein popped up. She gave him her, her soul. Two weeks later, she's laying in a boxcar dark and dirty, half dead. And she said, Jesus. He came in the boxcar, set her free from her drugs, saved her, called her up, cleaned her up, became her God. And then this is what she said. How can I not cry when I hear his name? And the problem with some of us is we quit crying. It's just another name. And I've heard it so much. No. I, I don't want to get there. No, sir. I want him to stir me up. I want a bigger spotlight on him. I want him to capture me. I, I just want him to fling me. 
I don't want to be like that. I want to cry when I hear his name. Because he did as much for me as he did for her. He did as much for you as he did for her. And so, uh, come get your sling. Be reminded, I'm flung for him. I don't have any say so over the flight plan. He got to say so over the flight plan. When he flings you, you're on his flight plan. You're not calling the shots no more. He's going to fling you right where you need to be. Open up that box, pastor, somebody. Everybody come get your sling. We're not leaving here until you get your sling. Flung for Jesus. Flung for Jesus. My foot's off the brake. You, you see this little leather in the sling? I, I want you to know that when you get in God's sling, you're just going to lean back. You're going to sit back in his sling. And then go do what he's told you to do. Thank you for letting me come tonight. If I, if I offended you, would you forgive me? I won't do it again. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing in this world. It I have a question. I have a question. How many of you know you were called and you've been putting it on? How many of you answer the call tonight? Just put your hand up and wave it at the pastor. He's got a photographic memory. And he knows you raised your hand to answer the call. You answered the call. Thank you, Pastor. Go ahead. Finish. Come on, give this man up God a hand. Sing oh how I love Jesus. I'm fine. Oh. Whoa.